Hello there, and welcome to the Joyfully Black Podcast, where we have candid conversations with Black women on nourishing their mental well-being while balancing career, family life, and community care. I'm your host, Joy Dixon, a public health professional turned woman in tech and lover of seeing people thrive in their zone of genius. Hi, y'all. Joy here. Before we dive into today's episode, just a heads up. Your girl's audio got a little wonky from time to time, but the guests, you can hear her perfectly. So just bear with me in the beginning because today's guest, Dr. T, really imparts some great strategies for navigating the holiday season without tearing your hair out. And we all want that, right? Hashtag keep our edges. Anyway, thanks in advance for listening. And remember to subscribe and share with a friend. Now, Here's today's show. So I am so pleased to have Dr. Tanya A. Boyster, aka you call her Dr. T. That's right. <laughs> and she's a psychiatrist who is a dynamic clinician, teacher, and innovator with skills processing across, you know, many platforms and industries. And she started a better world LLC to support individuals and organizations enhance their ability to pursue their God and purpose. She also provides life executive coaching, organizational assessments, and trauma-informed organizational support. And it's also, of course, if she weren't busy doing that, she's also served in CD and state governments, academic medical settings, earned tenure at a university school of medicine, and has taught in a host of academic disciplines. Of course, she understands the complexity of organizations designed to support vulnerable populations and has published as well as provided service to profession and community in a variety of endeavors. Now, Dr. Royster, Dr. T, mm-hmm. proudly hailed for the home of the Jackson 5, Gary, Indiana, <laughs> and, graduated, <laughs> and graduated from Purdue University, and as well as Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, and completed both her general psychiatry and child and adolescent psychiatry residencies at New York and NYU, Bellevue Hospital Medical Center in City. In all things, her goal is to support your journey to, of course, a better you. Dr. T also has a podcast from my soul to yours, and I will go ahead and link that in the show notes where it's available um, at podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcast. Welcome to Joyfully Black, Dr. T. Thank you so much for having me. Good. I'm so glad you were able to come. So, Dr. T, when I have guests on the show, I always love um, our guests to level set for a minute. And only 2% of the estimated 41,000 psychiatrists is as of early this year, 2023. So there's about 41,000 psychiatrists in the U.S. 2% are Black. Mm-hmm. You are a Black psychiatrist. <laughs> we all know sometimes that, you know, being the only, maybe one of two. Can you tell us a little bit about your interesting journey into the field of psychiatry? Like, how did you... You know, I say this is truly my God-given path. This is what God put me on this earth to do. I say God truly knows that I'm stubborn and hard-headed. So he told me when I was a little bitty little girl, you're going to be a psychiatrist. And I didn't even know what that was. Like my mom, my parents met in college and didn't finish college um, initially because they had me. Uh, And so I was the first one to go to college, to finish college, to be a doctor. So it's not like there's a legacy of healthcare in my family, but there is a legacy of caring and a legacy of community and a legacy of 
taking care of those around you. And so my mom says, when I was a little girl, somebody said, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a psychiatrist. And everybody in the head, in the room, head whipped around. <laughs> They're like, what is this little girl talking about? So it's truly the only thing I ever wanted to do. Um, and so I just followed my spirit. I listened and I just kept doing it. And the thing is, I didn't even know what a psychiatrist did except help people. Okay. And so I've done that, as you said in my bio, a whole lot of different ways. And that's what I love about the work that I do. I can do it one-on-one with patients. I can do it for a state organization that's trying to serve a whole community. Um, I now do it for like executives, usually people of color who have obtained a lot of success, but something still doesn't feel right. Like, And it's like, you know, you're not like clinically depressed or you're not you know, maybe you've got a little anxiety, but you just don't know, like, why do I still feel this way after all of these great things have happened to me? And so I just really like helping people onto the next stage of their journey, whatever that means for them. I also love doing trainings. I love teaching. So I do a lot of trainings and education. So, you know, I don't know if people know what a psychiatrist does. Most people think they just prescribe medicine. But that's probably the smallest part of my week. <laughs> so what would you say takes takes up the majority of it? Uh, the majority of my time is um, the consultations with other organizations, the coaching, the trainings that I do, uh, the teaching. I mean, I do love to teach my patients, uh, my clients, everyone how to be better, like a better world, right? And so a lot of that has to do with self-care. A lot of that has to do with listening to your spirit, listening to yourself, um, learning to trust yourself. I think, you know, medication is an important tool, but I think everybody thinks as a psychiatrist, I'm always going to go to medication. And I'm like, no, I think medication is an important tool, but there's so much more work that you have to do. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that journey and also the fact that you didn't even know what a psychiatrist you hear on TV. I'm genuinely curious now because that's not something most children would say. I, this is why my only explanation is that it has to be God because it wasn't on TV. It wasn't something my parents knew about. It wasn't anything. And actually, for many years, I just kept repeating it. I want to be a psychiatrist. I want to be a psychiatrist. I want to be a psychiatrist. And it was actually a fifth grade teacher who was like, what does that mean? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, look it up. And so she literally made me look it up, made me write a little report. She's like, I think it's great if you want to be a psychiatrist, but know what you're saying. And it was like a very powerful lesson. Um, yeah. because so many times we just repeat stuff. And I believe it came from a good place, but I still didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what steps it took to get there. Um, and so that was really an important, simple thing that someone did for me. And that really speaks to the value of having people in your life who may not be a part of your family, part of your social circle, mm-hmm. but they just, they see something and they're like, look, you have this interest, so let's find out more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pushing well, you and encouraging you, yep. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that journey. You talked about how, you know, the type of folks that you work with who are usually um, high-powered individuals, successful folks who, um, are finding themselves sort of at a crossroads or feeling dissatisfied despite these accomplishments. And I am, I am curious, 
what what do you see are some common themes when you're working with these women? So that's a great question. And let me also clarify, like I see, I don't want to say everyday people, <laughs> but I see everyone. So in the, the patient clinical practice, uh, I, because I like to give back, right? So I work at a rural clinic, um, in a southern part of Illinois via telehealth, actually. And many of the patients I see have limited or no insurance or the public insurance. Um, and the interesting thing is, that there are some commonalities regardless of whether my patients come from farming or poverty or high-powered uh, corporate America. And so the first commonality is that they all just want to be happy. And I also want to add, Joy, that in addition to those um, high-powered in my executive coaching or life coaching, which I actually call soul coaching, because I think the only way to heal ourselves is to bring all parts of ourselves and go from the soul out. Uh, so I call it soul coaching. And so there are some common themes, even between people that are in rural America and high powered executives. And everybody wants to feel like they belong, a sense of community. Um, no one wants to feel isolated. No one wants to feel ridiculed. Everybody wants to belong. And that's probably the biggest theme that I work with. As you kind of ascend the ladder of success, particularly as a person of color, it gets lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. Uh, the Surgeon General has just started talking about, and I'm saying finally, uh, but just started talking about the uh, the pandemic of isolation, right? I think that COVID-19 made people realize how important connection is. Those of us in this field have known that forever, but that sense of isolation where the success can be lonely. And so some of my clients are, you know, reach these heights and they feel disconnected. They don't feel yeah. like they're connected to their own passion. They have a, a sense of their purpose, but they don't feel like it drives them anymore. And they don't get the same joy and pleasure that they did on the way up. And then they start to question like, well, what am I doing? Right. And I think those are kind of universal questions and themes that we all struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of a sense of belonging, the holiday season is coming up. Mm -hmm. And so we know that can be a tricky time for people. Very. Uh, and, and just whether you're high income, on a lower income scale, it can be stressful. Many people experience stress. Mm -hmm. Can you share some, some general insights on the importance of, of self-care during this time, especially for women? And that pandemic of loneliness, I that phrase, I'm going to come back to that a little later, just saying that because that just so resonates. Mm -hmm. But for but in regards to the holiday season approaching, what are what are some general insights you can share about self-care? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, Joy, I love talking about this at th this time of year because people always, you know, TV paints the holidays as a happy time, as, you know, family and connections. For a lot of people, family is not fun, <laughs> you know? It is very stressful, um, whether it's a sense of responsibility that they put on you or whether you put on yourself, right? That the holidays can be very, very stressful. So the first part of self-care is to learn to limit things that don't feel good. If you don't like it, don't do it or do as little of it as you can. And a lot of times people work on their boundaries and limit setting all year. And then the holidays come and suddenly 
They're like that little kid again that just wants somebody's approval, that just wants, you know, Santa Claus to bring them a gift if they're good. And they let all the things that they've done all year to protect themselves, to heal themselves, to take care of themselves. They just relax it. And so the first thing is just maintain your boundaries. Feel good about setting limits. Uh, I always say no is a complete sentence. You don't have to explain why you don't want to go over uncle so-and-so's house or to aunt so-and-so's uh, barbecue. No is a complete sentence. I was so proud. I had a patient a couple of weeks ago that told me there was a big family wedding and she was desperate to attend, but she didn't want to go because the person who abused her was going to be there. And this is a 50 year old woman. And she was like, I don't want to be in that person's presence. And so she had a choice of either not going and not saying anything or saying like, look, you guys, we all know this happened. I don't feel comfortable. So this is why I'm not going. And you can decide if you want me there, he can't be there and you can make the choice, but this is my boundary. And her family said, you're right. We're sorry. He won't be there. We want you there. Um, and so just remembering all the work you've done throughout the year and being okay with keeping those boundaries, setting those limits. And then I also say, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, I have an episode of my podcast coming up called Found Family is Fine, right? Sometimes we're not born with the biological family that meets our needs, but we find people along the way that embrace us, that love us, that support us, that care for us. But then around the holidays, we're like, oh, I don't want to intrude. I don't want to, you know, be a bother. And so we don't reach out and stay connected to the people that have been with us and supporting us on our journey. And so it's really important to remember, be brave, be bold, ask for what you want. They might just assume you're coming. They may not even think that they need to invite you, right? And you're feeling like, oh, I, I'm not in their family. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, I I really appreciate you sharing, you know, the found family because or like the chosen family. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, some people's family of origin is stressful mm -hmm. or sometimes you just can't only handle them in doses. Mm -hmm. like you have a choice of whether you can be around them or not. Mm -hmm. And that is that is such a reality for so many people. Yeah. But, a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people. You're you act like kinda of like I can take you in doses, but we all can't be in the house at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of times when you've done the work of healing and repairing um, and improving who you are and how you are, the things that you went through, everybody doesn't come along on that journey. That doesn't mean that you love them any less. That doesn't mean that they weren't an important part of your journey whenever it was. But it's OK for you to grow beyond some of the people in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And then speaking of those boundaries, you know, you know, we always hear that word come up. Mm -hmm. But I'm so I'm I am curious, like how can people start to do that proactively uh, before before Thanksgiving or before um, any of the other December holidays, whether Hanukkah, Christmas, mm -hmm. Kwanzaa, whatever people are celebrating, even if they're choosing not to celebrate at all, but they're wanting to gather. What are what are some ways they can proactive and address these issues? I think the reality is, number one, you just have to acknowledge that these things are real. Like a lot of times we want to put our hand in the sand and uh, next time it'll be better or uh, next time I, it won't bother me um, and pretend like these things aren't real triggers that we know are coming. So the first part is just acknowledge that these are real things. We know they're going to happen. 
if we can acknowledge it, we can prepare for it. And preparation is key, right? So make a plan. Like you just said, I know I can only do uh, my brother in small doses. So I'm going to spend this 30 minutes with my brother at this event. And then I'm going to either find other people to sit with, or I'm going to leave. I'm going to excuse myself, but make a plan and then stick to the plan. Don't feel guilty about knowing what feels good and allowing yourself to enjoy your holidays because you did it the way that worked for you. So making a plan for what will work best for you. Mm -hmm. And some people are so used to people pleasing Mm -hmm. or having uh, limited boundaries that they might not even know how to identify when they're being triggered. Mm -hmm. So what are some signs that someone might experiencing holiday-related stress or anxiety? Well, if you find yourself stepping outside of your normal pattern, right? So you you know, whenever I go over, I hate to say big mamas because we all want to love big mama, but whenever I go, (laughs) whenever I go to this house, you know, I got to sit in the car for 10 minutes and psych myself up, right? If you got to prepare to walk in the door, that means you know there's a trigger inside, right? Anytime you know what you're going to experience before the thing happens, that means you know that's a trigger for you because you've already developed some strategies, um, whether you're conscious of them or not. And I think that's a lot of times people don't realize that they've already developed the strategies. So they drive around the block three times. They got their favorite music they listen to. You know, they sit in the car and pretend like they're on a call. Um, I have people that don't even smoke that say, oh, I got to go outside and take a cigarette. Like they have all of these strategies that they've come up with to minimize their interaction with these uncomfortable um, situations. And so those are all your signs that you're heading into that environment. So rather than head in and pretend like you don't know, acknowledge what your body is telling you. Like I was our sixth scent, our gut, whatever you want to call it. It is true. We do teach children to ignore it. And that's the really bad part. And I hope that we are working on that as a, as a society, as a community, but we teach children to just go ahead and do it. And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But then as adults, we have to reconnect with that sixth sense. We have to reconnect with our gut, our intuition um, and listen to it. And that's, I think one of the hardest things that we have to do in our journey is reconnect to that part of ourselves that that told us the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes so much sense because you're you're right. Many mm-hmm. times, you know, as children, we probably didn't feel like we had a voice mm-hmm. or you know, be seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of parents, you know, the millennial crew, the gentle parenting is very. <laughs> to me yeah as, as a woman who's an aunt i'm not a um i've raised children but i'm you know i haven't birthed any children mm-hmm. and so uh so that is that's a very interesting concept to me so i i think that's great that we're almost having to repair ourselves mm-hmm. to make sure that we feel safe emotionally of course physically but also emotionally mm-hmm. when we're around family who we, who we love like who you know love. yeah yeah. And I'll say in the most popular, in, in the best of circumstances, we love them, you know, but they, some, like, you know, really those kind of people you might know, no other, but they know us. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, family, particularly with women, there is a pressure to uh, caregivers, right? Mm-hmm. During the holidays, and you mentioned like Big Mama, always in the kitchen, the aunties are in the mm-hmm. kitchen, whoever. And so would that pressure be a caregiver to be overwhelming? What suggestions would you have for for black women of color who are trying to balance those caregiver responsibilities along with self-care, you know, checking in, setting boundaries? Are any other specific techniques they realize that they find that a lot of those responsibilities fall on them? You know, maybe not throughout the year, but it's holiday season. Hey, yes. kitchen. Hey. 100% true. I think it's, remember that the value of you being there is not in the thing that you do, but it's in your presence itself. So, I mean, I have this, like, this is a perfect example to me. When my daughter, I can't even remember which birthday it was, but maybe she was seven or, or something like that. And I have prided myself. I always made these very elaborate birthday cakes for my kids. I don't know. It's just the thing I do. Uh, and I was on a business trip and I was like literally getting home like the morning of her birthday or the night before her birthday. Like it was a very, very tight uh, schedule. And I was driving myself crazy trying to figure out how I was going to make this birthday cake, um, make it to the same level as all the other birthday cakes. I didn't want to feel guilty or for her to be upset that this birthday cake wasn't like every other birthday cake and my family was going to be there. And I was driving myself in a tizzy. And one of my really, really good friends and a, a, a thought partner, she said, is she going to be more concerned about the cake or is she going to be more concerned about you? Is she going to be happy that her mom was there, made it back from the trip? Or is she going to be like, this cake isn't as fancy as the other cakes? And I, she was like, just challenging me to think about what was really important. So she's like, if it's really important to you to to do something with this cake, how can you make it so you feel good and you show up and you have the energy to be what you want to be at this party? So I called a local bakery and I said, hey, can you make a cake with no decorations on it? Just a plain cake of plain white icing and then I will do everything else. And so instead of like staying up all night baking a cake, let it cool, you know, all the steps it takes. I got this cake already made and then I decorated in a couple hours. She was happy. I was happy. The family was, everybody was happy, but it was all self-imposed that I was putting on myself and just refocusing on what was really important. Was it really the complexity of the cake that was important or was it my presence for my daughter on that day that was important? And when I refocused on that, I came up with a solution that still allowed me to give what I wanted to give, but also be present and show up. Because when I'm tired, I'm cranky, just like everybody else. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So if I had stayed up all night baking that cake and then a bunch of people came over my house, it would not have been fun. (laughs) You know? No, no. (laughs) So it's just about refocusing on what is really important about the holidays. Yeah, we all love to make our old family recipes. But, you know, there are also many wonderful small bakeries that would love to make your sweet potato pie for you this holiday. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, support a small business and save yourself the headache and enjoy your family. Yes. No, you are so so right. And it's it's funny. You know, as I've gotten older, I noticed, uh, you know, when I was a a child, and I've noticed this with other uh, family friends, 
um, you know, taking everything from scratch. And now they're like, oh, I'm not going to stress myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they're like, I'll do, you know, my specialty dish. Yeah. But, you know, Boston Market, Publix, yeah, they, exactly. they work just as fine. It is <laughs> you know, absolutely Right. Or support a local business. You know, I, they would probably love the catering business. And it's also like everybody has talents and gifts in your family. So, you know, if you get a lot of joy out of cooking and bringing things for other people, maybe other people would too. invite them in, make it a a new tradition instead of one person spending all the money and spending all of their time and slaving in the kitchen and not enjoying the holiday. Everybody do a little bit of potluck and you everybody knows who should and should not bring what. And somebody who has, you know, limited culinary skills they can bring the drinks they can bring the plates they can bring the forks you know they can bring the games like we can make this work we can make this work it doesn't have to be all on one person and then that person is so miserable and exhausted that they don't even appreciate having their family there yeah no you're you're absolutely right by the time this airs my my husband's surprise that i have for him will be over um so if he listens to this you know hey yeah hope you enjoyed your surprise um but as you know as i'm planning it for a big milestone birthday and bringing people together so he'll be super surprised um yeah friend my best friend reminded me she said you know you can't get things delivered yeah. and i told i said oh i'm in a season of ease uh-huh. you I know what yeah. i have on, on that particular day so if it's not close to where i am in the vicinity is getting delivered you know it's going to be lovely but i'm also like you say you just like you how you had um the bakery make you know they they basically did the baking for you so they yep. did the fun party situation right exactly exactly You're thinking ahead but also thinking how can i make my life a little easier you know right, right. you want to <laughs> use your energy i i always say use this example if you have 100 units of energy a day and you take probably 30 or 40 of them just to keep breathing every day and stand up and walk. So then that leaves you with, you know, 60. And so if you spend 50 of that 60 running around like a, a mad person on details that don't really matter, you only have 10% left to really enjoy, relax, you know, participate, engage. So what you really want to think about is how do you use as little of your energy as possible on the stuff that doesn't matter, right? You got to breathe. So that part you just take out of the equation. But then the rest is how do I use the energy that I have? And nobody has unlimited energy. That's just a reality, no matter how young or how old. So how do I use the energy that I have to do what I need to do in the most efficient or effective, cost-effective, whatever it is, way possible but still have the energy to enjoy the present right the people that are going on in my life mm-hmm. so really what that makes me think of is when people say i am the gift you should say yeah you are thank you for attending thank you for gracing today yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i wish more of us felt that way about ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now wait, are you are you like a big birthday person? I am a huge birthday person. Okay, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I consider my birthday like a holiday. a holiday. It is a national. It is National Tanya Day. That's right. I I feel that way about other people too, right? So it's not just limited <laughs> to me because I feel like so much of our lives is about doing things for others, celebrating others, uh, giving to others, whether it's at work, at church, at school, with our children. 
Our birthday is the only day that you can honestly say is really all about me. And so I'm like, embrace it. If you can't embrace any other day, embrace your birthday. Yes. Uh, yes. You, you you have to, especially if yours falls on a holiday like mine does. Yes. If you don't yes. celebrate it, you know, you don't go all out, you know, and as you mentioned, celebrating others. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun. Now here's another aspect about the, about the holiday season that people often think is not stressful, but can be. So I'm curious to know, like, how would you say the concept of giving back? What community mm. engagement be incorporated into one's self-care practice routine during the holidays, especially um, especially amid a, a busy schedule? Mm-hmm. So I think if you enjoy giving back, and most people, if they really give back in an open, honest way, they enjoy it. Like there is a real joy and a peace about helping other people. The thing that becomes stressful about it is when we pile on too much, when we over obligate ourselves, when we say yes to things that we either won't enjoy or don't want to do, or they're just not in our wheelhouse. Like everybody has some way that they enjoy giving back. And if you just stick to that and stick to the amount of giving back that feels good, it will be good. It will be fine, right? It will work for you. But like you said, so much during the holidays and sometimes it's formal, like, you know, go volunteer at a shelter or go do this program at church or work with your son's Boy Scout troop. And sometimes it's informal, like pick up grandma and take her Christmas shopping or, you know, get um, Uncle Willie and go get this thing done for him or whatever. So sometimes it's formal, sometimes it's informal. Um, And a lot of times again, we just don't set limits. We don't say no, we don't have boundaries. And like you just said, like maybe you could just have that thing delivered to Uncle Willie. (laughs) Like maybe you don't have to pick him up, take him there, go through all that. You could just have it delivered to him. He'll be just as happy. You can stop by for a visit at your leisure, but you're not fighting traffic, you know, all this, that, and the other. So there are ways to feel that sense of community, um, feel that sense of belonging in however you give back formally or informally without driving yourself crazy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another aspect of the holiday season that often comes up is that um, it can be, it can be challenging because it brings up memories of lost love. Mm-hmm. Um, we just went through active pandemic years, which, mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people that started 2020 did not end that way. And even, you know, in more recent losses. So how how can individuals cope with grief and loss, whether it's death, whether it's relationship or the holidays? So, again, a first first step is acknowledging that this is real. Right. I think especially with grief and loss. And I'm actually going through this. I like to share with my audiences because I lost my mom this summer. So, well, I didn't lose her. I know where she is, but (laughs) my mom. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. But so I've already started thinking about what will this holiday season be like without her? How will I honor her? But also making space for the sadness. I know I call my mom if I'm not in the same, you know, city with her, if we're not celebrating together. I know what I usually typically do. So I'm not going to pretend and then the day comes and it hits me like a ton of bricks, like, oh my God, mama's not here. Like, no, I I know every day that my mom 
is no longer on this earth with us. So we've already started thinking about me personally, me with my daughters and me with my siblings and my dad. Mm -hmm. How are we going to, what things are we going to continue? What things is this an opportunity to say, wow, we really didn't like doing that anyway. Uh, So what things can we let go of and thank her for the gift of being able to let go of that? So really just thinking about it, anticipating it, but also making room for being sad and being okay with that. Um, Do I want it to consume you? Do I want it to be all day, every day for your holiday season? No, I don't. I want you to keep living. I want me to keep living. But I want you to be okay with the fact that that sadness is real. And it doesn't matter whether you lost the person a year ago, 10 years ago, there's always a piece of you that will remember and reminisce and miss them during the holiday seasons or significant events. So it's okay to allow that in your space, to acknowledge that and incorporate that. And, and you know, I say just, just make it a part of your day. Like, boy, mom, I'm going to miss your sweet potato pie. I know that we're going to get it from this store. Like just incorporate it as a real reality. And, you know, I think a lot of our angst comes from us not wanting to feel the things that are natural to feel. And so just acknowledging, accepting that this is going to hurt and I'm going to be able to enjoy my holidays and I'm going to be able to celebrate and remember this person. And it's, of course, easier as time goes on. The first couple of years are really, really hard, um, but it can coexist. So one of my tenets of the work I do is helping people understand that joy and pain can coexist. We can be happy and sad. We can be going through greatest things and still have a moment of darkness. That is life. And the more we can embrace that, the more we can accept that. And uh, the more we can enjoy um, and really live our lives purposefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate you you sharing that because it sounds like like really the theme of our conversation today has been around checking in, mm-hmm. taking time to acknowledge what is happening, whether mm-hmm. it's crazy family dynamics or maybe mm-hmm. I think crazy family dynamics are just ones that are very busy. Yeah. And and you know, even it, even in the quote unquote best of families, just everyone just just the hustle and bustle of, mm-hmm. of family time together and shopping, if people do that and those sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that that really resonates. Yeah, now, I think that's a great summary. It is always checking in with yourself and being okay with wherever you are. Uh-huh. Now, Doctor T, before we go today, there's a question I always ask every one of my guests. <laughs> and it's there's one of my favorite quotes is by Jean Bolin and it says, When you discover something that nourishes your soul, brings you joy, care enough about yourself to make you more equal. So I have to ask you, what nourishes your soul so much that you have so lovely great space for it? I oh that's I don't know which one to start with, but I would always start with music. Um you know, that music soothes the savage beasts. Maybe my soul is a savage beast because I have music in my life every day. Like when I'm cooking, when I am uh showering, like I just love to have music playing and I love all types of music. So it might be gospel. It might be R&B. It might be 
uh, hip hop. It might be rock. It might be classical. It could be anything. It just depends. But I love having music. There's just something that makes me like busa, right? Just yes. having music in the background. So music is a huge part of my daily self-care routine. You you will not find a day where I have not listened to, heard, incorporated some kind of music um, because it it really does. I said, maybe I'm a savage beast, but music really soothes me. <laughs> no, no, you quite, quite lovely. So <laughs> since music is, I'm the same, music is a huge, huge part of my life. What what is the song that you listen to this morning? Uh, the song that I love to start my day with, whether it's in my head or whether I actually play it, is "I'm Every Woman." Uh, oh. It's like, I, it's like I don't know. No matter what you're feeling, you cannot not smile and celebrate yourself and just feel like you can take on the day. Like so, like a little piece of that song is always playing in my soul. Um, it just, it just. It's amazing. I don't know what, I don't know when I first heard it or I don't know what. And then there's another song that I keep rediscovering. It's called My Fight Song uh, by Rachel Platten. And whenever I'm like, do I want to do this? That's the song that gets me like, yeah, you're going to fight. You're going to fight through this. You're going to, you know, whatever it is, you're going to fight for this. This is my fight song. That's a cool one. Check it out. Oh, I love that. I will have to link maybe the YouTube videos for, for both of those. Yeah. Um, now, before we go, um, my last question, um, are there any other resources, both online or offline, that you'd recommend for Black women, women of color to explore further self-care practices, mental health support, community engagement opportunities during the holiday season and beyond? Um. There, you know, there are so many great, uh, creators and content out there that, you know, pick the one that feels right for you. Of course, I hope you love mine, but at any moment, people have to do it what speaks to them. And I always tell like my clients, like therapy is like trying on jeans. Sometimes you have this favorite pair of jeans. You've loved it. You wore it everywhere. And then you put it on one day and it doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't feel good. Doesn't make your butt look good. You're just like, oh, my God. But then you want to hold on to those jeans because they were your favorite for so long. And I'm like, you got to be willing and able to let go of things that feel good in order to make space for new things that feel good. So I can't say I have a favorite because like just like my musical taste, they kind of go all over the spectrum and it depends on what I need for that day. So give yourself the freedom to take whatever you need, no matter what form it comes in. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. T, for spending your morning with us on Joyfully Black and look forward to talking to you again. Yes. Thank you so much, Joy. Hey there, lovely listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Joyfully Black. I hope that you're enjoying our content as much as we love creating it for you. So if today's episode has resonated with you or you find it valuable, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. It ensures that you never miss an episode and helps us reach more listeners like you. So if you've got a friend who'd love what we're talking about today, don't keep it a secret. Sharing is caring after all. Send them a link and spread the word. And last but not least, we truly value your thoughts and feedback. Whether it's a topic you'd like us to cover or thoughts on today's discussion, drop a comment or send us a message on joyfullyblk.com or on Instagram. Your voice matters, and it really helps shape the future of our show. Remember, 
This podcast grows and thrives because of listeners like you. So subscribe, share, and speak up. Until next time, stay in the black, y'all.